Troops, here we are again, live, the Eagle podcast. I've managed to find the alias man in Shildon, Alex from Red Court Apparel. Alex, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. You? Yeah, crap. And how's things with the apparel? How's things with taking over the world and making men and women look more alley in T-shirts and caps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Last year was kind of like a slow start building up into it, but recently it's gone like mental, mate, like really, really good. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're, we're putting up T-shirts now um, and other items and they're just selling out within two to three days. Wow. So, yeah, it's gone really, really good at the moment. And obviously, I've been down to your um, HQ and it's awesome. Um, how much sort of work has gone into making it look as it looks? And uh, talk us through how you got it to where it is now, because it is truly a, a, an awesome place to visit. So basically, we started off last year around July. Um, again, it was an idea that was floating around since 2014, coming off the circuit and stuff. Yeah. But um, we started off with a couple of T-shirts. I think we had three T-shirts when we, when we started off. Yeah. And then uh, from there, it's just like snowballed out of control um, yeah. to a point to what we've got now. Yeah. Um, it was it. It is supposed to be a shop. Obviously, you know the yeah. crack. It, it, yeah. We can't function as a shop in our current location. But um, but yeah, it's been it's been graft from moving from this premises. To an, to a bigger premises and then having a roof that was like a fishnet to then moving back here and having to relocate. Um, yeah. it, it took about three months, four months out of our business time to, to mm -hmm. do that. Um, and it, it had like massive, massive impact on the business as well. Because yeah. during that period, we weren't able to concentrate on designs or anything because there's only myself and my wife yeah. that, uh, that run this. Um, obviously, my wife, Claire, she does things in the background, yeah. like shipping all the parcels and stuff. And, you know, I, I've had a, a little bit of help from family members yeah. and a couple of close friends, but um, no, it's been pretty much hands-on. I, I think what you're saying there is it can, for some people, maybe they look at your sort of Instagram, which is awesome, by the way, uh, and they just see this brilliant, you know, everything looks smart, everything's on the ball. You get plenty of sort of engagement, likes, etc. big following. And people probably look at it and think, oh, wow, that's awesome. But actually, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes, mate, isn't it? Like, it's, I bet it's quite a lonely, it can be quite a lonely place sometimes. It, yeah, especially now. Um, yeah. Now we don't get visitors on, or anything. It, it, it can be quite lonely, but, I mean, I can't... Can't say anything bad about it either because I get to come into work to this as well. Yeah, you know I could, I could be doing something else. I could be sat in an office work, you know, working for somebody else. I get to come yeah, into yeah. a, uh, into something I've physically built myself, um, and enjoy it. It's it is quite a relaxed. I mean, you've been. It's yeah. a mega re relaxed atmosphere to be in. Yeah, um, you've you've created what what I think is you've created an environment to create, and I think that's why your products and your brands are so good and so so different. Because when you go into the into your into your place, it just oozes 
sort of style and class. And I think if, if, if you're that way inclined and you're in there anyway, I think it's very, very, you know, it just gets the juices going, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? You just, you're in an, an awesome place. And how many sort of ideas have you, you know, come up from you just sitting down your counter drinking coffee and bosh, another great T-shirt's coming out. Say that again, mate. You just, oh, just sorry. You out. Yeah, sorry. I've, uh, that's, that's the world of Wi-Fi, isn't it? Um, I'm saying what's, what sort of great T-shirts have you made and great designs coming from your shop? Um, there's there's quite a number really. Yeah. Um, we have we have about three or four that are really good sellers. Uh, yeah, yeah. For instance, we brought out uh, the Swift and Bold. Yeah. Um, two days ago, and literally fifty-five shirts have gone straight away. Right. It, like in the space of three hours, it was crazy. So I'm gonna have to get them back in, obviously oh. for the for the lads that are uh, same with the rifles and things like that but yeah. I get Blackbeard the Blackbeard shirt went yeah. really well um, and then another really good one was The Empire Strikes Back yeah 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 that's flown out um, it's they, they're all really good we've got a couple that obviously don't sell that good but you you obviously you're going to get that yeah that's yeah that's it's about just chucking ideas out there isn't it and, and seeing what takes and um you know, just because you think you've got a great idea or a great design doesn't mean that everyone is going to um, is going to think that. But um, you've sort of got uh, a big sort of um, star following, and I, and I remember seeing it when Tom Hardy wore your shirt for the Venom promotion. Um, we we've talked about it, but I think it's a great story. So I think people on the podcast world would love to hear about it when Tom Hardy was rocking the shirt. Um, so I'll let you uh, fill us in with that one. So yeah, it was as random as you like. It was <laughs> every everyone keeps asking, "Oh, how did you get Tom Hardy to you know wear your top and things like that?" Yeah. Um, but it was just getting my getting my well about to get my head down, um, <laughs> and the business had just started. So yeah. every time someone orders, you know, yeah. even now I get giddy when someone orders. Um, yeah, yeah. Like seeing seeing your business sort of do well, uh, but at that point it was it was new, and you'd hear like a, an alert drop, yeah. and I picked my phone up, and I seen Tom Hardy like had ordered, so I thought, nah, I can't be him. It's got to be someone with a yeah, same name. with the same name. So yeah. you know, I thought nothing of it, sent it off, and then next minute, everyone's shouting about, oh, Smudge, have you seen? Tom, Tom's wearing your shirt and that. Yeah. It it was um, it was a shock, but uh, yeah, I was quite, it you know I was quite, I wouldn't say proud, but I was quite <laughs> excited at that, yeah. at that time because you know people, even though we just started, people were were beginning to you know become aware of us and things like that pretty quick. Yeah. No, I, look, you know you'd, you you'd pay maybe a lot of money. For someone like that to uh, wear a t-shirt or come on an event or you know do whatever on Instagram for you, and for him to just buy a t shirt and think I like that and I'm going to wear it on a promotion for Venom, um obviously did you no harm, um got got you out there, but it's a testament to you as well because at the end of the day, if you, if your t-shirt had been gash, you wouldn't have ordered it, would he? So like you, you know, 
you have good quality t-shirts as well. Um, I think that's a testament because I think sometimes people can think, well, I'll just buy like fruit with the looms and I'll just put, I'll just, you know, press a logo on and, and that'll do. But your stuff's really good and I've got a few of them and the caps and, and the t-shirts and the badges, they all, they all withstand the test of time. So, you know, I think as well, when you're going to sort of start pushing your brand out there, people have got to be aware, how's it going to look after a couple of washes or how is it going to sort of fit and et cetera, et cetera. And you're like, you're like me in many respects. You're a stickler for detail. So how many times have you gone back to the drawing board with sort of, you didn't like the material or you didn't quite like the, the, the packaging and, and all the rest of it? Yeah, I mean, like I said, this thing's been in the back of my head since 2014. Mm -hmm. um, we just never had the funding to go forward with it. But in the background, yeah. We were working on it, doing various bits of, you know, we, we were buying in T-shirts, yeah. testing them in the in the wash, in the dryer and things like that and researching on printing. Um, again, I went out my way and yeah. taught myself screen printing. So right. some of the, uh, my very first prints were, uh, were done by myself. So yeah. that that was... A learning curve but I learned a lot um, leading up to ordering the actual products yeah. I, I was able to go in and find a decent high quality printer yeah that could produce what we were after because yeah. um, again we, we weren't going to settle for like you said yeah, yeah. A, a cheap t-shirt that's going to shrink in the wash yeah uh, or the dryer um, or something that the print's going to fall off it had yeah, to yeah. be a long-lasting garment and print, um, and obviously give it that, give it the style and and the darkness of of the brand and things like that. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it, it took it took a while. Um, See, what you're saying there is that's that's a prime example. Um, people just think it just happens. You know what I mean? Like someone might turn up at your shop and think, "Oh wow, look at this, it's awesome," but. Where were they when you were buying T-shirts off the internet or wherever you were getting them? Putting them in the wash, putting them in the dryer, and then sort of seeing, oh, right, okay, well, that's pants, that's no good, and this is that. Do you know what I mean? That's real dedication, mate. That's, like, real that's, – that's going into the craft. Do you know what I mean? That's, like, yeah, okay. That's, that's a true testament because that's, that's – I think that is the difference between people who succeed and people who fail. Um, it's okay walking in, in there now, 2019, and looking at all the good stuff you've got off offering, how the shop looks and saying – think I'm going to open an apparel now. It looks quite easy, but it's not made as if it's not easy at all. It's it's a 24/7 hustle. It can, it can be easy depending on what you want quality yeah. wise. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you if you're happy just going down to your local printers getting a cheap t-shirt for like a pound or something and chucking yeah. a plastisol print on which looks hideous, yeah. then crack on, but yeah, it, the, the, we didn't want the brand to to be that like that. There's too many, there's too many clothing brands popping up now. Yeah, um, and we had to get it right. Like I said, we, I keep saying it. We, we want to start from 2014, and it was constantly in the back of our heads. And then all these other brands were popping up, and yeah. it was like, oh, should we do it? Should we not? Um, but we just stuck with our plans. And what, yeah. what was leading up to, um, like, for instance, our packaging. Yeah, yeah. Not, not, like, 
slowly brands are starting to do that now. I know some some high end brands on the on the high street and stuff do it, but we wanted to bring that to you know a veteran owned clothing brand. Yeah. Um, which not many brands do. Um, again, that took money and time to get it right. Yeah. Um, it's again, uh again on that on that um, on that point when I first ever bought my first ever t-shirt from you I bought it online and then what you're talking about there is it comes in a nice box and it's folded neatly and it's got lovely packaging inside and then it had like a you know it had like a little place card in doesn't it saying like a nice message and I just thought like yeah it's the little things that make people think next time I'm going to spend money on a t-shirt or a cap or whatever it's it's going to be with 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 Alex do you know what I mean and that's that's how I think now and when I wear your T-shirts around, people always say to me, like, oh, can I like a T-shirt, mate? Where'd you get it? Do you know what I mean? And it's because it's different and unique, but it's those little things where you think, you know, it might cost you a few extra quid on the other side, but actually what it does is it makes people come back and buy another T-shirt and buy another cap and, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So fair play to you that because I, I, I noticed that, like, straight away, you, you're setting a different standard, aren't you? Yeah, I mean... Along with the quality of the garments and various other things and the details that I've got in there, we've kept it British themed and based on mm -hmm. history as well. So yeah. um, we might have maybe one or two shirts that don't represent anything to do with history, yeah. like such as the Night Watchman, for yeah. instance. That, that came from something else I was wanting to do. And the yeah. design was just too good not to not to use it. Obviously, again, that's a big seller for us. Yeah. Um, and I'm is not going to... Is the Night Watchman the one with the half skull with the helmet on? That's an yeah, yeah, yeah. That's smart, yeah. yeah. So we, it's not like... I wasn't just going to put it to one side and not use it. I'm, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to... You know, take it, take it by the horns and yeah. use everything I've got. Um, uh, we do use quotes as well, so yeah. a lot of um, you know historical quotes, like our newest one is "Blood, Toil, Tears, and Sweat," which obviously came from the Churchill speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then all the other themed stuff, like the Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Um, and we've got like the Ninth Legion, yeah, which yeah. is obviously. It's quite a, it's quite close to home as well. I mean, we're not that far from Hadrian's Wall. Yeah, yeah, the Ninth Legion. Yeah, they were stationed there, weren't they? And... Yeah, um, stationed in York, and then yeah. there was an uprising by the Picts over the wall. So, at the time, they were they were sent over to uh, to deal with the uprising. And then there's all sorts of stories. Did they, did they get slaughtered? The, yeah. There's like historical evidence to say that it never, but. It's quite a cool theme. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we thought, you know what, nobody knows what happened to the Ninth Legion, so we'll uh, we'll just use it. Um, it, it, it. Would you say that's your favourite theme? On, on I wouldn't, the themes that you've got? Oh. I like all of them, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, for instance, Blackbeard. Yeah. Um, again, very high-profile British uh, pirateer. Yeah. Um, I quite like the Peaky Blinders one. Yeah. Um, couple of my fa new favourites um, although it isn't the best seller but for me I like it is the Rat Patrol I right, quite like yeah. the artwork it's pretty cool 
Yeah. Um, what else is that? There's the uh, definitely the Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, that's uh, that's class. Yeah. Yeah, we took uh, like from a previous job. Um, I used to I used to teach myself like Photoshop with this with another guy Lee who used yeah. to work for Warrior Salt Systems and uh, yeah. in my spare time he was teaching me a little bit here and that and we're on our way to work and yeah. we got talking about Star Wars and this <laughs> picture popped up on the phone on my phone I think it was on Instagram yeah, yeah. and it was of some red like this red coat. Uh, during the Boer War about to like bayonet someone and that's yeah. where I took it from Mate. and the two just matched up and again yeah, it's like yeah. it's all ironic with Brexit and stuff yeah 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 you know the, the empire yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, it's fair enough um obviously you had a, a good stint in, in the army is there anything that you did in the army that's prepared you for leaving and setting up a successful business um what, what, and how did you sort of where did you go from your resettlement to, to where you are now what was that process like um, so when I when I left the army I didn't have any aspirations of set my, setting up my own brand yeah um, it, it wasn't something that I thought oh yeah that's what I'm going to do I uh, originally set out to do in thing at the time and go on the circuit um, make a little bit of money so I could you know get a mortgage and the other yeah. things in life that people want. Yeah. Um, but as, as time went on, uh, priorities changed and things. So I, um, I ended up coming home um, and landed a job with Warrior Salt Systems, yeah. which was, that time was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but what, for the people who don't know, when, when Alex talks about the circuit, he means close protection and, what is it that Warrior Salt Systems do, for those who don't so, know? So Warrior Salt Systems, they, they manufacture sort of, um, you know, like military, tactical nylon products. So right, okay. You, you, the likes of your body, like your carriers, belts, yeah, plate, plate pouches, carriers, yeah. plate carriers, mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and it, you know, I was, like a, I was like a kid in a sweet shop when I first landed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, um, Obviously, when I, when I landed that job, uh, the, the apparel side of it yeah. was embedded into my head. Um, yeah. It was it. Red Coat was inspired by like some of the American brands out there. So yeah. I see I seen American brands out there pushing sort of you know U.S. themed yeah. shirts and stuff, and at the time. Nobody in the UK was doing it, especially from like the military side. Yeah, yeah. From the, from like a veteran's point of view or the military at, at that time. Um, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool to like sort of do like a British spin on, you know, some of these brands and utilize our history? Yeah, yeah. Like they were doing. Um, and again, like I said, like a lot of brands popped up out the woodwork, which there's some really cool ones. I, I, I mean, I still buy from other veterans. I still yeah, like yeah, to, definitely. you know, like Sin Eaters. I've got a Sin Eaters Guild shirt. Um, I've got a couple from uh, Reaper 17. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's, there is some really cool brands out there. Yeah. I, I just I wanted to put my spin on it. Um, going, going off on a tangent, but going 
going back to sort of how did the military prepare me? Um, I, I dare say the military prepared me with, with regards to sort of being so thorough with whatever I did. Yeah. Um, it's like your OCD with yeah. things. Um, just making sure that everything's on the ball. Uh, everything's checked. Every T-shirt that goes out is checked. There's like a good, a good sort of system in place so that we don't get any shirts sent out with holes in or anything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had a couple that have come in from the printers that have had holes in, and you know, a lot of other brands, I dare say, might send them out, but we we go through the whole of the shirt. Nice. It's it's fair play, mate. It's accountability, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's your it's your logo, it's your brand brand on on that t-shirt if it goes out and it's not right you can't turn around and say oh the printers because then the day it went through your hands first didn't it before it goes out the door so it's it's all it's all on you um when you were on the circuit where did you get to did you go anywhere in particular where you'd never been before in your military career and, and what was that like between obviously high-end high-end soldiers that you wore to sort of go on the on that circuit what was that like it was quite daunting at first. Right. Um, just coming off Hurricane 11, so just coming back from Afghan. Yeah. And then within six months signing off. Um, yeah. So I, I had it in my head what I wanted to do. Um, yeah. And I started early, so I started on my CV early, started yeah. on my courses early, and yeah. then landed a couple of interviews. One of them was Aegis, Aegis Defence Services. Uh, yeah. And... Yeah, I, I got I had a successful interview, um, and they wanted me to go to go out to Iraq. Uh, from the interview uh, to to going out to Iraq, it took about seven days. Wow! So it moved pretty quick at the time. the The army was doing a, you know, one of these early termination yeah. things. Um, so yeah, I had the interview. Got back to work Monday. Um, confirmed everything, CO signed it off, handed all my kit in, wow. and then Saturday uh, got a train down to London, and then I was on a flight out to Iraq that afternoon. Wow, that's um, mental. So landed in Baghdad a couple of days later, and then went through my induction, and then got pushed out to my team. Wow. So and it was, was quite... And who was the... Um, I bet that was quite a nervous flight, was it? Flying back to, like, flying to Baghdad on... What was it? Just a normal Sydney charter plane, just going to Baghdad. Thomas Cook, Baghdad yeah, Airport. It, yeah. it, it wasn't Thomas Cook. I can't. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Cook, Jet Airlines, going out to Baghdad. Yeah. Um, I know. I know uh, Emirates. They've got yeah. a couple of flights going out there now, but at the time, I can't remember what it yeah, was. Yeah. But and you, you saw what talk us through the process because, like, I know there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast. Who just thinks so? Like you got a job and then he flew to Baghdad. Like so, you land at Baghdad. Obviously, you know there is a real enemy in play. Do you know what I mean? You land there and you know Civ Pop is 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 in full going. It. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's on. So you you get collected and then you get. To, did you go to a secure compound? Yeah. So pretty much, uh, we got collected by the company, and at the time, it, it wasn't like it wasn't one of these shit contracts are out. Yeah. It was a really good contract. It was Department of Defense working for the US government. So, you know, you, you had all the kit, you had all the support and everything. So you flew out 
got landed in Baghdad, got picked up by the company, and then we got took to um, one of the main US bases there. One of yeah. you know one of the main US army camps that that were operational in Iraq. We got there, and then we went through induction. Um, it was like being back in the military, so you yeah. had like. Um, you know, you, you did like a mile and a half fitness test or a two miler, but only this time you were wearing body armor, helmet, and you carried six magazines and a rifle. So it was, <laughs> it was still slightly cheeky, especially yeah. in the heat up in Baghdad. Yeah, and then after that, you do like a stretcher run as well. Right. Um, so it, it wasn't like, it wasn't a shit company to work for. You knew mm. the lads who were getting through were, were going to be of like... some caliber. What um, um, the, the the people who you were working with? What were their backgrounds? Was it like like yourself? Um, obviously coming from slightly more of a specialist background, or was it just lads from the infantiers? Was it um, RLC drivers? <laughs> <laughs> it was a mix and match of everyone, really. So it was fifty fifty US, uh, you know, and other other nationals. So you had right. people from the UK. Australia, all over the place. But you had you had guys from Hereford. Uh, oh, there was right. Aussie SAS. There was um, you know Paris Marines. Oh, so it was, you were in fairly good company then. So everyone was everyone was switched on. What was your sort of um, how long was you out there for, and what was your sort of day to day business? So our our. The job I went into uh, was um, SRT, so it was security reconstruction team. Um, right. So we, we didn't carry clients as such. Um, being being a so-called bodyguard or close yeah. protection officer in hostile environments, it wasn't like, you know, we picked our clients up, we drove them out onto a site. Yeah. Um, we, we we would go out and do, do the work for the clients or... Um, it would be three of us um, plus another six LNs or something. Yeah. Um, and we drive out into like some cheeky areas yeah. um, and just sort of do the work for the client so the client doesn't get in any danger. Wow. Um, but then we ha we, we'd have like additional taskings from the US military doing recce's on, you know, alternative routes so that they don't get hit by IEDs and things. Wow. So we we do the odd cheeky task here and there for them. Um but yeah it was um it was good. But how and how long were you out there for? What was the sort of posting length of time or contract? So with Aegis, um I caught the latter end of it. So I only did about four or five months uh right. on that contract and then I went down south to uh Basra yeah. And I went on a commercial contract with Aegis, which yeah. was oil and gas. Um, so you you go from like a high high profile, high end yeah. job to then to a shitty job that yeah. where you don't you know you don't get any any support or anything. Um, so come, so I left the military in March, like early March, and I left Iraq in sort of mid-January 2012 right. wow. um, and then from there I went out to Afghan um, 
I went out pretty much doing the same job as I was doing with you know with, with the yeah, yeah. with the US. Um, yeah. So it was a DRD contract. Um, it was the sister contract to Matrix um, RSSS, and it was it's it was mainly dealing with the uh, reconstruction or or the construction of sort of governmental buildings such as hospitals, yeah, yeah. police stations, and things. You know when you you know sort of um, when you went back to Afghanistan, how how did you feel? Like it's this one country I hope I never go back to. Um, it sort of fills me with dread, really. Um, the very thought of like someone saying fancy going back to Afghan next week, I'd be like, I'd, I'd rather go anywhere. Do you know what I mean? Like I just, for me, it holds nothing but like the worst times of my life. Do you know what I mean? Like the hardest, most fucking okay. This is the day then. Um, sort of moments. What was it like to go back as like a civilian contractor? How, how did it feel? It was different, definitely different. It, yeah. it wasn't the same as going down to Holmans. Yeah. Um, in in certain circumstances, I mean, in the army, or when you, when you're serving, you you're going out there and you're taking the fight yeah, to yeah. Uh, to the enemy and stuff. Whereas this, this is completely different. You um, you're obviously reactional rather than yeah. Um, rather than taking it to them. So yeah, yeah. And and again, operating with the British Army. Yeah. You know, you go into like you go in the cookhouse and it's just fucking watered down juice. Yeah. And yeah. you know, and crap food in comparison to the USD facts. Wow. So <laughs> you just had access to everything. So from a comfort point of view, yeah. Um, it was fucking unreal. Like you had your own room. Um with aircon and you had internet and you know you had we were cutting around with ACM and mm. armored vehicles that you know would stand up to the job I mean some of the some of the uh, the teams had MRAPs and stuff so yeah. wow yeah I went, I went out it, it, it you felt comfortable doing yeah, your job especially um, with the pay packet at the end yeah, of it yeah okay god you know, it's it's funny you talk about sort of kit and equipment. When when I went on Hurricane, I mean, it, we had so much substandard kit to do the job. It's it's almost laughable, isn't it? Like I remember being on a road move in a. In a do you remember Vikings? They were like a pinzagal with like a sandbag on the side. <laughs> yeah, they they're just like uh, they're like the BV two or sixes, yeah. like the double cap things. Yeah, yeah, and then we had. What was the sorry? There was them. They were what was the other ones called? Um, Women. You know, like a Pinzagawa, but an armored Pinzagawa. Was it called a Vector? I think it was called Vector, wasn't it? Um, and they were just they had no under armor protection at all, none. And I remember the where the driver used to sit, like the driver's wheel would be directly underneath the driver's seat, <laughs> and it's like, is this is this for real? Like, who's designed this? Oh, it's all right, lads. It can stop 5.56. Yeah, that's great. But the Taliban are using AKs, which don't use 5.56 caliber bullets. So they're just going to fly straight through and just rubbish, but like rubbish body armor. Just, it was like the Wild West, wasn't it? And I remember sort of going back on later Herricks when all that new kit had come in and everything was a lot better. And I thought, wow, things have changed. But um, like kit was just, it was just, Crazy. I mean, there were still people cutting around in um, 
not everyone had like full um, desert kit. Some people had mixed dress on, and it's like don't even have enough clothes to like do full desert camp. <laughs> He's, that guy's wearing jungle bottoms and a, and a desert camp top. Like, what use is that? No. Yeah. Um, I suppose just to look Ali in it, but what? Um, obviously. Well, yeah, obviously, because Ali is, is that's the key in it. Saves lives, stops bullets. Um, what was your when you did Herrick? What was your what was your Herricks like? I know they were particularly difficult. Um, what was it? What was it like for you out there on Herrick? Um, so the first Herrick I did was Herrick Seven, and that oh. was part of the brigade reconnaissance. Yeah. Um, it was joint Yorks and four seven three. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I love I love that too. It was kind of like um, I wouldn't say it, but it had its moments. Um, mm. You know, we we had a couple of couple of shit situations, which yeah. majority of people have out in fucking Afghan. But yeah, um, especially but, when you especially when you're looking for the enemy because you're looking to take the fight to him, yeah. and, you, and you're kicking his you know you're kicking his door in and that and saying what's for tea. Um, you know, you're going to get that, aren't you? Yeah, but I, I still enjoyed it. I still enjoyed doing the job. Um, and then I had a about a year or two off. I wouldn't say off, but back yeah, yeah. back at Man Barracks. And then we, um, I volunteered for a, a JTAC position to go out on Hurricane 11, yeah. um, which was fucking an unreal tour. Hey, um, here's a question for you. What's what's harder, an Afghan tour or a night in the Angel with Big Daddy Sal on the piss? <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be the Angel, man. Yeah. It's, it, it, uh, there's a few contact reports thrown around in the Angel, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, it's right. It's like I'm on the couple, man. Yeah. God. Um, that's all you talked about there. Um, Selmy was on that one. He, he, he's a captain, Adam Selmy. He's a top lad. Sells is a good lad, yeah. Um, yeah. He came up from two nine, yeah. but yeah, he, he, he's just like a bag of morale, mate. He just <laughs> kept you going, mate. He's fucking awesome. Yeah, he's he's a good lad. Sorry, sorry to interrupt you. If people don't know, the Angel was a um, robust drinking establishment in Catwick Village, and uh, you ha you had to be a bit tasty just to even walk in. <laughs> you had to be a bit more tasty just to walk to be able to walk back out. Um, I only ever had one night in the Angel, and it was. Uh, it's an experience. Yeah, yeah well, it was an experience. I think it's closed down. Don't quote me. Um, who knows? No, it is. Apparently, it's it's, yeah, a couple of lads have said it's closed down, but... Well, yeah. rest in peace, the angel. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, was a, it was a right place. Um, your, your business, Red Coat Apparel, has a really good, uh, really good, really great Instagram follower and social media presence. Um, this is a question for sort of resettlement now. Do you believe that if people leave in the army now or any of the forces, they have to get a handle on social media and um, offer courses in social media now as a genuine, like, it needs to be on the ball, gents? I'd, well, in general, I think, along with that, I think you get your resettlement, um, you, you have your courses in mind, and you go out and do them courses, but there are some generic people out there who yeah. who want to start their own business as well. And I think yeah. they need to start sort of offering some sort of resettlement courses for people who want to create their own business and how to go about it and yeah. sort of the fundamental points. And 
you know, of, of what of what they're going to encounter yeah. um, when they leave Civvy Street and what they need to do. Um, and maybe get some, you know, entrepreneurs in or guys who've started their own businesses and bring them on board to, to drive forward. I, I mean, for me, for me, mate, it's a no-brainer. Um, the resettlement centres in Catrick should be getting in touch with the, with the likes of yourselves and others and saying, look, you're, you're, you're doing it. You're running businesses in this so-called bad time to be out, out the army, you know, whatever happens with Brexit. Um, I think it, it should be drawing on people like yourselves and others who are out there with their own businesses and saying, will you come in and will you speak to lads who are getting out and, and give them, you know, some ideas on what they're going to need to do. And, you know, you, you're not going to get out and be a medic on the rigs and earn 80 grand, um, one on 47,000 off. It's not, you know, a bit of realism. I think, I think the resettlement prog program is really good as an idea, but I think it's delivered um, badly. So what's your sort of take on it? Um, like anything, mate, <laughs> when I did my resettlement, I knew what I wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, I booked on to booked on the courses I wanted to do, um, and then I had my uh, my week or a couple of days writing the CV and things. Um, to be honest, I didn't really pay attention to a lot of things because I was like, right, this is what I want to go do. Yeah, yeah. And I just fucking blocked. Yeah. I should like. Being naughty, I should have listened a lot more, um, yeah. but I never. But I mean, to be fair, like out of out of the uh, the military environment and the resettlement courses, there are, there's a lot of veterans helping other veterans, and there's yeah. a lot of sort of you know other companies that are supporting other businesses and lending a hand. I mean. Never been down there, but the likes of HR4, they've done yeah. sort of a, a veterans day where they've held, you know, an event and got loads of veteran-owned businesses down to sort of push their stories and stuff, which, yeah. you know, it, it's detrimental to the uh, to the community. Like things like that need to happen. Yeah, and I think no, no, I think the military, the armed forces, or you know, whoever should be pushing that also and yeah, pushing veteran owned businesses um i mean i i never knew business when i when i started i'm i'm kind of learning as i'm going along yeah um, and the only way you learn is by making mistakes yeah, yeah and i made them fast mate because every time i do something i always jump in feet first and i don't think about it and i have to uh well I'm kind of reserved now in that aspect. Yeah. Rather than jumping in feet first, I take I've taken a step back and sort of chilled out with it. because um, yeah. I've just been bitten a couple, too many times. Yeah, I, I say this, man. I, I I was a sucker for ready shoot aim. Do you know what I mean? Like. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, and just gotta sort of take your time. Uh, right, we're absolutely flying for it, and this is sort of one of my favourite parts of doing this podcast. Um, the legendary five watts. So let's get straight into it. The first one, what's the greatest advice you've been given? Greatest advice I've been given? Uh, it's a fucking hard one, that. Mm. Probably your wife. 
Yeah, she's all she's on top of me, mate. <laughs> she's she's all over me. Yeah. Uh, I probably just get not not from any business owners or out like that. In fact, one business owner, a veteran as well, yeah. Odin Tactical. Yeah. He always said, um, never own never own any machinery or out like that. Always yeah. always rent or you know, source it elsewhere because yeah. again, I've been bitten, I've got yeah, I've yeah. got a couple of machines that yeah. are just sat there, they don't get used and it's just fucking cash. Yeah, um it could so, have been spent somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. I mean mm. it's uh that that I wish that uh had that advice sooner rather yeah. than rather Fair than enough. when I did it. So yeah. I would say that's really good advice, yeah. Fair enough. No, that's fair enough. Uh, number two, uh, what's on your bucket list? So either personal or as a business. <laughs> so I've got loads of I've got loads of bucket lists for the business. Yeah. Um, I want like I want to have the brand on a high street somewhere. Yeah. Um, cool. I want I, I want it to have its own little sort of location. Um, just as just as what it is now. Uh, yeah. So, whereas before it it was opened up to like, you know, there's a bit of a veterans hub and that. Mm-hmm. Um, on a high street, it's just going to be a shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, opening it up as a coffee bar slash shop where, you know, customers can come in and have a drink and look at the product and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's what that's where we want to take the brand. Obviously, product-wise, I'm not going to expand on the product, no, no. Um, because uh, I like to keep my product close to my chest. Um, and then, personally, um, I haven't really got anything personally. I mean, I'm doing it. I'm I'm enjoying what I'm yeah, doing. No, so, fair, fair enough. Uh, third one. This is uh, this is always interesting. Um, what's been your toughest day? Toughest day with the with the business. Um, it's got to be definitely moving into a new premises. Yeah. Um, again, a little bit of advice to people as well on where I went wrong, jumping in with both feet. Seeing the premises, yeah, I want it moved into it without having a lease contract or anything. It was done on a handshake. Wow. wow. Spent. Two and a half months um, setting up this place. Yeah. To then having the most ridiculous leaks, it, it ruined pretty much half the the wood oh. um, that we've got and half the floor, and, and so, so we, we made a loss of about four k um, just on building materials. Um, wow. And then the landlord say, "Yeah, fuck off. I'm wow. not doing anything. If you if you don't want it, move." which I had to bite my tongue. Um, oh. But yeah, that was like the toughest day, especially having to put my tail in between my legs and go back to the council and say, can I move oh. back in there? Wow. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very valid lesson, mate. That's a very valid lesson. Um, on, the, on, the, on the number four, what's been your happiest day? Happiest day? Yeah. Um, mate, there's a... There's been a couple. The first, I'd say, the first one was seeing the website go live. 
cool. That was that was awesome. Seeing something that, although it wasn't a finished product and it still isn't, yeah. there's still stuff I want to do. But seeing it live and like seeing people buy stuff that I put out, yeah. Um, and then you know it's had its ups and downs, um, but I'd say recently this month has been our best month yet although oh, we're not making awesome. money yeah. uh, personally from the business everything we get we put back into it um put into new products um but it's getting to a point now where we can actually see light at the end of the tunnel and yeah um every, every pretty much every day in this place mate it's it's just awesome to be in yeah, no, it's it's class. And the final one, mate. You've probably touched on it. What's next for Red Coat Apparel? Yeah, so next we did look to push down to Catrick. Um yeah. that's still that still could happen. We really wanna we would really wanna get onto a garrison type area. Yeah, but... you you'd absolutely clean up if you got down the garrison, especially that new complex where the cinema is, I think you'd you'd clean shop down there like definitely. Yeah, that that would be the ideal place. Um, but we've also looked at Durham, potentially Darlington, yeah. and then you know, because it it isn't just like serving or veterans that buy the brand. There's quite oh no no yeah no you've got a good um you've there's, got a book, there's quite a, a variety of people out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, so you know, we would like to be on the doorstep of a military garrison so that the guys can benefit from you know from what we've got to offer but oh yeah definitely um that 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 would be um i would say that's where what we what we want to do yeah no fair play to you um ladies and gentlemen it's been great to have Alex on. Um, no, cheers, dude. Even though we served in the same regiment, we only sort of knew each other to say hello. But um, since we've both got out and got our own businesses, we, we've become good friends. And um, Alex's brand and, he, and his clothing is, is, is 10 out of 10. And he's going, he's going places. And from his story tonight, you can understand why he's going places. Because when you're buying T-shirts from the internet and washing them and drying them just before you even do anything with them, that's a sign of dedication. And when you buy something from him, the attention to detail and the customer care that comes with it is is you think you're dealing with the top brands, Prada, etc., like that. So it's a testament to his dedication to what he's to what he's trying to do. Um, Alex, where can people find you? Social media, websites, and all the rest of it. Um, so basically, we're on Facebook. Yeah. Um, just you know type in red coat apparel and yeah. we'll pop up uh, we've got a group on there as well which we put a lot of our deals on awesome. um, so we try to gain attraction from all the different avenues uh, utilizing the different deals and whatnot um, you can find us on instagram again at red coat yeah. apparel yeah um, and then the website is www.redcoatapparel.com um, but yeah, just, we do have a yeah. Twitter account, but I fucking can't figure that shit out. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no filter on Twitter, is there? Like, there's there's, there's full on just carnage. Yeah, Tw- Twitter's off the scale. Um, yeah, 
ladies and gents, uh, that's been Alex from Red Court Apparel. Great speaking to him. Uh, next week's podcast, I've got Alfie Usher from Fill Your Boots, a military banter page. Um, <laughs> look, <laughs> looking forward to it because, you know, on a serious side, um, that site has made the British Army take notice of social media and is trying to sort of change how it thinks about social media. Um, so thanks very much to Alex, Red Coat Apparel, and guys, we'll catch you on the next Eagle podcast. Adios.